0: Life,
1: I've been a traveling yep, welcome back All to uh, life, City on the Edge of Anytown land. USA, the podcast where we collaborate land. with another podcast we do. <laughs> uh, depending on which feed you're listening to, this is either a special episode of Anytown USA or a special episode of City on the Edge. Either way, it's special. And uh, I'm Ty Bannerman, and today I am joined by uh, either guesting or co-hosting
2: Courtney Fitzgerald
1: who is actually my wife Um, so why is this happening well on the podcast Anytown USA every episode what do we do Courtney
2: every episode we explore a new county in the United States that we picked at random and we try to learn the most interesting stories we can about it to share with you
1: and so we we choose a state at random at the end of every episode, and then a county within that state. And wouldn't you know it? Last time on uh, Anytown USA, the we picked New Mexico. Yes. And then, uh, as sort of unlikely as this is, but uh, as it seems, I but I swear this was not a this was not a setup. Uh, we dropped the marker on the map of New Mexico, and where did it land?
2: It landed in Bernalillo County, but specifically it landed on Cedar Crest.
1: Cedar Crest. So today we are doing this special combination episode where we're talking about uh, Cedar Crest, because we haven't really spl- talked that much about Cedar Crest on City on the Edge, um, the podcast that we talk about Albuquerque, Um but it's certainly relevant.
2: I would say that Cedar Crest is not Albuquerque.
1: Right, exactly. It, but it's
2: but close. it's very close, extremely to Albuquerque. close.
1: Yeah. So that's uh, that's what's happening and uh, why this seems so strange. So, Cordy, why don't you uh, why don't we start just talking a little bit about Cedar Crest, uh, where it is? You know, some of our listeners are going to be very familiar with it. Some of our listeners are going to be completely unfamiliar with it. So, why don't you kind of walk us through it's its position sure. in, the, in uh, New Mexico.
2: So Cedar Crest is a town in the Sandia Mountains mm-hmm. that is pretty much directly east of Albuquerque. To get to Cedar Crest, you kind of have to take Interstate 40 out of the right. city of Albuquerque, go through a mountain pass through the Sandia Mountains, and then mm-hmm. you turn up north on the backside of right. Sandia. Right,
1: and uh, 40 is the route of Old, uh, old 66.
2: Right, Old Route 66, that the song is written about right
1: yeah, super important to um to our history here,
2: you definitely want to get your kicks, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> definitely, so uh it is a ruralish community, kind of eh, bedroom community I kind think of
2: bedroom community is a little okay. more accurate for it now, right um maybe. Back in the day, when before you know, pre automobile, yeah, certainly, <laughs> or pre like pre automobile functional, like really good functional. It's automobile. kind of a
1: funny creature, Cedar Crest. It's sort of in the midst of a bunch of older towns.
2: Yeah, older, smaller towns that are kind of right now all incorporated into Cedar Crest.
1: It's sort of like this this uh, child of the area that that has grown up to sort of absorb uh, places like Cañoncito and. Uh, um, san antonio and san antonito and so forth you know like these kind of older uh notably um hispanic or spanish settled communities that uh, were there for you know at least a century beforehand depending on which uh, city we're talking about and some are even older than that and we're going to get more into that uh peculiar history of cedar crest in a few minutes here where we're going to bring in uh, one of our local historians and uh, and my podcast host for City on the Edge, Mike Smith. Yeah, but let's talk. Let's do the Courtney facts about uh, about Cedar Crest.
2: Let's talk about demographics. Yeah, demographics. So- I got my demographic data from city data this time, and mm-hmm. I think that city data might actually separate Cedar Crest from some other towns, because the estimate for the population mm-hmm. in 2010 was about 1,000 people. Yeah, that's about what so, I got too. Okay, so it's it's not a big town, No, right? Um, it's got more women living there than men, and probably statistically significantly more women. It's about 58% female mm-hmm. and 42 to 42 to 43 percent male um, it does have older folks living there than the rest of New Mexico as a whole mm-hmm. so the median resident age in Cedar Crest is 55 years and the median age in New Mexico is 37 years so I think it might indicate that people retire right. and move out to Cedar Crest. It is more expensive to get a house in Cedar Crest than most places in New Mexico. The median home value in 2017 was $255,000, mm-hmm. and the median home value in New Mexico is only $171,000.
1: Did you hear that? That's the sound of Californians salivating oh, over our cheap I, houses.
2: I, yeah, or, or New Yorkers or Seattle people <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> assuming anyone from there is listening um but yeah for us that's that's an expense that's expensive housing
1: 200 is yeah and up
2: now new mexico usually has a pretty interesting demographic breakdown where Mm -hmm. it's notably not majority white in most of the state we are what they call a majority minority or a minority majority state but basically it means that there are are more people of color, or people who identify as people of color than people right. who are, identify as white. But Cedar Crest is kind of an anomaly. It's about 75% white and only 20% Hispanic. Okay. Um, very, very low percent of other races. There are about 3% of people who identify as multiracial, about 1% Asian, about 1% Native mm-hmm. American, and less than half a percent of black folks live there. Okay. So kind of like, you know, a whiter town in New Mexico. Right. Um, what's really cool though, about Cedar Crest is not the demographic characteristic of the people, although that is interesting, Uh but Cedar Crest is a very cool town because it sits on the back of a huge mountain.
1: Yeah. So that's the mountain that we here in Albuquerque are in front of. Right.
2: I mean, I assume
1: we're in front, front and of. back. Maybe Cedar Crest's in front and we're in back. I think oh of it God. as like
2: if it was a big monster that rose up out of the ground, uh-huh. Cedar Crest is sitting on its back. Right. And we are looking at its front.
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly <laughs> it looks like a wave.
2: It does, and a
1: a big cresting wave. And so Cedar Crest is on the gentle incline, and we're on the steep, rocky, sudden plummeting descent.
2: Right, and if you imagine that the Sandia Mountains were a book, right, Mm. like a, a book that's laying on a table. Okay. And somebody lifted one edge of that book up, leaving right. the other edge sitting on the table, right? The opposite yeah. edge. It would make kind of an angle, right? Yeah. And that's exactly what happened about ten million years ago. Ah. So Albuquerque sits in the Rio Grande Rift Valley, right. right? So a rift is a geological place where plates are kind of moving apart. Mm-hmm. And so where the Rio Grande Valley is, where the river runs through, Mm there is a kind of depression as things are kind of pushed down, right? Right. As as things are moving apart and spreading out, then Uh stuff fills in, right? Uh But what happened 10 million years ago to the east of the Rio Grande Rift was this huge vertical movement along Mm -hmm. a fault. And what ended up happening was the Sandias got lifted up Mm -hmm. and... Where what's on the top of Sandia is this Pennsylvanian granite, right? Okay, that same layer of Pennsylvanian granite that's at the top of Sandia, which is what like 5,700 feet, it's
1: 5,700 feet above us. Above us, so that is approximately 10,000 feet above sea level. Okay,
2: so it's 5,700 feet above Albuquerque, which sits Mm -hmm. in that valley, and then the Pennsylvanian rock that's That is the same layer. That
1: same layer that's on the top of Sandia, 10,000 feet above sea level.
2: Is 15,000 feet below us. Us.
1: So 10,000 feet below sea level.
2: Yeah, I guess. I I can't do that head math. Is that right? (laughs) I think it is. So we're at 5,000. 15,000 feet below us. So yeah, 10,000 feet below sea level. Which means that was a That's huge insane. uplift, right?
1: What a nightmare that and, must have been.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't think it happened very quickly. Like I don't, I don't
1: know. <laughs> I don't
2: think that you could have necessarily watched it happen. But you can kind of see when you're on the west side of the Sandias, uh-huh. places where massive, like enormous chunks of the mountain, mm-hmm. you know, couldn't sustain, couldn't stay stuck up there on that right. shelf and just kind of plummeted down. So there are these big craggy things. But yeah, that's how the sandy is formed. And so like you said, if you think of it as a big wave, right? Right. With the crest of the wave kind of coming, it's about to crash down over Albuquerque, Mm -hmm. Cedar Crest is kind of nestled on the backside of that wave.
1: I don't know, maybe a thousand feet above us. Yeah, they are actually. Yeah. Yeah, And and so
2: it's about ten degrees cooler on Mm -hmm. that side of the mountain most of the time.
1: uh, lots more trees like pine trees and yeah, so as
2: think. you actually get a little bit alpine as you as you go up to Sandia mm-hmm. because it is so high above sea level, so you start getting aspens and ponderosa pines, whereas you get more like juniper and scrubby stuff, you know, lower right. down. We're high desert, but yeah. once you get up to the top of the mountain, it gets more alpine. Right,
1: and they get a lot more precipitation, um, snow, lots of snow. We get. So we're here in Albuquerque, we get like 364 days of sun every year. <laughs> it's
2: not quite that many. It
1: seems like. like, like they like a lot and more, something. They get a lot more clouds, a lot more um, yeah, rain and snow.
2: And in the summer, when it's 95 degrees here, it's about 82 mm-hmm. over there. So it's a nice the the great thing for people who live in albuquerque is that cedar crest is this nice little mountain town that you can actually get to in 20 minutes yeah which seems crazy there aren't many major cities that you can you know
1: and it feels like you're up in the mountains too i mean that's the really great thing about it is that you're you're immediately out of the city and in a like you say quasi alpine kind of more rural area
2: Yeah, a mountain town. Mountain towns have their own kind of unique characteristics, I think. And you definitely feel like you're in a mountain town when you're in Cedar Crest. There's one grocery store. It's called Mm -hmm. the Triangle Store. It's full of, you know, really kind of granola girl foods, I guess. (laughs) It's pretty great, actually. (laughs) It's got all your, um, all of your organic needs will be met at the Triangle Mm -hmm. Store. Um, They've got a brewery. There is a brewery. And there's a great little burger a, joint. Uh,
1: yeah, burger Boy is a, a famous kind of fast food hamburger place around there.
2: Yeah. And a Ribs Place.
1: A ri- yeah. Barbecue restaurant. And Tinkertown, oh. which uh, we talk a little bit about with Mike. Yeah, but
2: Mike does talk about Tinkertown. But honestly, if you're going to visit Cedar mm-hmm. Crest, so if you're looking for attractions in Cedar Crest, there yeah. are a couple of cool things there. But I think the the coolest thing is probably Tinkertown. Do you just want to briefly describe what that is? I It's
1: Tinkertown. It's a strange kind of collection of old older buildings, kind of log cabin-y uh, kind of buildings. Um, I think some of them might have actually been taken from uh, different uh, kind of run-down uh, homesteads and so forth in the area. But it is absolutely filled, like chock full of these figures that a guy named... Ross Ward carved by hand uh over you know the space of probably about 50 years and they just like full circus scenes and you know some of them move and some of them you know you push a button and they'll kind of play instruments and everything and it's really it's it's an amazing uh testament to one person's creativity so it's definitely totally worth checking out
2: Absolutely and there's a museum of archaeology and material culture yeah. But I f- I understand that that's not open all the time and kind of odd I've hours. I've never been able to go. Um but really if you're an outdoorsy person, mm-hmm. there are lots of things for you to do.
1: That's the place to be.
2: Heading up the mountain from Cedar Crest, there are horseback riding, trail ride tours, mm-hmm. mountain biking, hiking, in the winter there is snowing uh, and skiing. <laughs> right. there is hopefully there's snowing. sometimes there isn't, but most usually years there is some snow most years there's some snow, and there's the Sandia Peak ski area right. at the top in the summertime, you can um, do some hiking and uh, mountain biking and stuff up there too. okay.
1: well, let's uh, shall we uh, talk to Mike about how this town was founded and and the kind of the peculiar character who who did the founding? Let's do it, okay. This is this is where any town and city on the edge right. meet. Uh, you know, for real. Right. This is our super nice. spectacular.
3: A city on the edge of any town. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> so the person <laughs> I know who knows the most about Cedar Crest is actually one of my co-hosts from City on the Edge, which is our podcast all about Albuquerque and and sure Bernalillo is. County and other parts of New Mexico, yeah. but mainly that. Yes. And that's uh, Mike Smith, the author of Towns of the Sandia Mountains. Hello. Contributor to East Mountain Living. That's true. Um, <laughs> what, what else have you done? I don't know.
3: Uh, essayist, I guess. Essayist, um, writer. Yeah, uh, working on a book. Um, yeah, that's yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that, right. I brag about the podcast. I brag about the, uh, okay. the book, the column. Yeah, that, that's, that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what is your relationship
1: yeah. to, to Cedar Crest? You, you're you not from there. I know that.
3: Well, uh, when I was 11, my parents moved there. And okay. so, yeah. But technically, we were in Canyon Sito, But like Cedar Crest, um, for uh, your listeners that might not know, which... So I, I imagine, as opposed to sitting on the edge, you must have a, like a... Yeah. Y- your listeners could be from anywhere...
1: Well, yeah, really? we have like, a, a national yeah. base, for sure, yeah. of people. I, you know, I'd, I'd say yeah. we've probably got a, a really good representation of New Mexico oh, because, cool. of, oh, because yeah. of the City on the Edge connection, but oh, right, we right. do have people from all over. Oh, cool. So, yeah, no idea, probably. Okay. I'd say at least uh, 50% probably have no idea where Cedar okay. Crest, New Mexico is.
3: So Albuquerque is in the middle Rio Grande Valley, and um, east of Albuquerque are the Sandia Mountains. I know you both know this. but uh, <laughs> um, And in the Sandia Mountains um, are... It, a lot of little towns, including Cedar Crest, which was founded as a tuberculosis resort in the twenties. Right. And, um, it, uh, it's, you know, it, w- it was, a yeah, my, my connection is I moved there when I was 11. I, I like it. It's a great little yeah. mountain community. And, and, um, you and lived the, there for a few years. I, yeah. I lived there for, yeah, the, if, yeah, my, like from 11 to 17 and okay. then moved back. A couple of What's up? I have a question. Oh, yeah.
2: Okay. <laughs> what is a tuberculosis resort? Because oh. that doesn't sound like the kind of resort. <laughs> uh, worst
1: theme park ever. It's like right. if you want
3: to get tuberculosis and,
1: <laughs>
2: and
3: go on a vacation, it's a good place. Uh, no, it's um, like, you know, back before they had the vaccines for tuberculosis. Um, or antibiotics, which I, right? Yeah it, yeah, it was like a combination of three vaccines or something, is that right? Or a, I think it's antibiotics. Drugs, three, uh, and, okay.
1: And then, yeah, because penicillin's a huge thing with that.
3: Oh, okay. okay. Do you get huh.
1: TB vaccination?
2: Um, you know, I think you can now, but I don't think it's bacterial, so it would have been an antibiotic
3: previously. I read a book about it a long time ago, tuberculosis by Elaine Lando, um, and it was fresh in my mind then, but, but, um, but yeah, so before, before there was that, that cure, which was partly developed here in Albuquerque at, uh, yeah, at the Maytag laboratory at Presbyterian, um, where you were born, right? Yep, Crazy. I was born there. <laughs> you, know, you were a test subject in their tuberculosis study. I'm a grown uh, in tuberculosis tube. super carrier. That's, right. that's amazing. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's right. Right. Uh, You're immune to it and you spread it. Weird. That's <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, the, uh, <laughs>
1: tuberculosis tie. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that's why they call <laughs> it. that.
3: Um, so, uh, but, so back th- back in the day, the only known cure for it, and it was like a pandemic. I mean, yeah. it was everywhere. People like had tuberculosis around the world. I and mean, it
1: crossed uh yeah. you know yeah. uh, class lines oh and, you know it did not yeah. matter if you're rich or poor right uh yeah, yeah. exposure to tuberculosis was pretty right. rampant
3: but back then you you didn't know uh what to do other than like well fresh air seems to help sunshine seems to help maybe altitude helps like yeah. you know th- and so new mexico had all those things and advertised itself as the well country the and heart of health country right. is one thing Get out that, here yeah yeah and um and uh the first tuberculosis resort in the Sandias, east of town, they were all over New Mexico. Of right. course, you know they were, this the, is like yeah. late eighteen
1: hundreds, late eighteen hundreds, early nineteen hundreds,
3: right? And um, but it really seemed to ramp up in the twenties. And there was a, a resort up in the mountains called the Well Country Camp, previously Camp Kilgloom. Yeah, and their first location was in Bear Canyon on the. Uh, on the the west side of the Sandias, right, and then they moved up there. And one of their patients was this guy Carl Webb from Mississippi, mm. and he had tuberculosis, and he had it horrible. I mean, like he had a terrible case of it. But what what tended to happen was people would come to these resorts where they were where they would literally just they were like resorts. They would lounge around. Optimism was considered one of their primary weapons. Like, just have fun, be cheerful, have parties. There's so many photos from these resorts of people dressing up. Having like masquerades and things, yeah. You know, the first radio station in the Sandias was at the Well Country Camp. Uh, They came and set it up there. The first newspaper was there. They set it up there. But Carl Webb, while he was up there, he got to know the locals in a little town up there called San Antonio, Mm -hmm. which um, anyone in... uh, Central New Mexico might know about Burger Boy, this little, right? You know, a yeah. classic restaurant, a, a little, uh, you know, mm-hmm. greasy restaurant up there, um, and uh, get a hamburger and fries and stuff like that. Um, but that's in San Antonio, which was, which uh, dates back to 1819 when Carnwell, which was all these towns' fates are and origins yeah, are they're connected. very intertwined. So, right? so, so Carnwell was at the south end of the Sandias, and uh, it was uh, settled very early on. Mm-hmm. So, from 1819 on, there was a uh, Hispano-Catholic population that was mm-hmm. building up there, and um, little satellite communities were springing up around it. So, anyway, when Carl T- Carl Webb was at um, the Well Country Camp, he uh, became friends with locals in San Antonio, right. and uh, heard about some land that was available mm-hmm. in, in that area, and so he got a hold of some land, I'm, I forget the specifics of, of how, but just basically he he built a tiny little place for himself he had it had a i I've been in this original cabin that he built and it's small it's like a shed right and, but it had a little pet door on it which was apparently for his pet rooster He oh was God. like an eccentric person <laughs> that 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 um <laughs> had animals with him that he wrote a milk cow to Harris to get the mail until, and until there
1: was this establishment, was this established as a tuberculosis well, resort at itself
3: at first? Well, he had this vision and, mm. and he was very entrepreneurial in that like old fashioned, you know, pre and, and, uh, during uh, depression era mm-hmm. mentality, you know, um, uh, he, he, every time he felt well enough, he would, he would build more and then he would lie down and just convalesce. Wow. And, uh, I mean, this is a horrible disease that involves coughing up blood and all that yeah. stuff. And he built cabin after cabin and then eventually he healed and he was okay.
1: So once he uh, once he healed from tuberculosis, he yeah. established what a he, town or a I camp. Mean, well, is it exactly? so it
3: started out as, <laughs> Webb was such an interesting character. So
1: he built this he built this
3: chain of cabins. He named each one of the cabins. Mm. They all had names that were inspired by something. I think one was called the Milky Way because mm. the milk cure was popular for tuberculosis, where you like oh, li- live on an all milk diet. Why not? And because <laughs> and, uh, nobody knew, they were just like, what do you let's do? Just try let's milk try milk for a while. Let's do this weird <laughs> thing. Um, but, uh, so the main thing was though, once he had all these cabins built, he advertised like he was just really a great marketer. He had billboards up everywhere, flyers everywhere, signs all over, advertised in magazines all over. And... Um you can see this again later on he owned a trading post in Carnwell into Harris Canyon later in another era mm-hmm. of his life and um same thing he would advertise for that everywhere he was just really he was really good at that and um and he was also a friendly interesting weird person he was a palm reader and he <laughs> offered palmistry at 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 his place and i mean you know for a long time Cedar Crest was was one little community of of uh among many, and it was much overwhelmed by San Antonio, which right. which was really the big satellite hub community uh, uh, up there um, for all these other towns. But, after a while, he had an opportunity to, to get a post office there because mm. he was always riding his milk cow down to, to, to Harris to Sorry, get the mail. He was riding his milk cow. Yeah, he uh, rode a milk cow, okay. and and his rooster would you put it on the back? Sometimes he was just a strange guy. I mean, it sounds like he was like really into animals and stuff, but he also raised foxes and had like an old fashioned sensibility when it came to animals as commodities. Like and, he would raise them for fur. Yeah, yeah, and and that's those were never kind, you know, yeah, those, sure. those undertakings. But I mean, he was so resourceful. Like you can still see on this property; it's private property, so you can't just wander right. wander up there. But but um, I, I've been lucky enough to know, know the people that that own it, and um, like his drain pipes are all old turpentine cans bolted together, folded inside each other. Like wow. just real, like l- like lots of little touches like that that just show like this was someone that really like was resourceful and and uh, could figure this stuff out. So. Once they got a post office, it was basically a community. And, and he called it Cedar Crest? And he called it Cedar Crest because the common name for junipers, you know, is C- mm-hmm. New Mexico cedars, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's incorrect to call it that. But it, Did <laughs> but San
1: Antonio also have a post office or was no, it Cedar Antonio Crest Antonio got didn't, it first?
3: So San Antonio didn't have a post office. And as a result, a lot of people that now live in San Antonio don't even know they live in San Antonio. Yeah. Like, And uh. and same with Canyon Cito. Like, I grew up in Canyon Cito, and I didn't even know that until like right. years after being there. Like, oh, I think we're in Canyon Cito. And this is also Canyon an Cito.
1: old Spanish uh, yeah. community. And, that, and
3: Canyon Cito was a little satellite community of San Antonio that, that's up there as well. But Cedar Crest... And I mean, maybe in part because it was an Anglo settlement mm-hmm. or maybe just because they had the post office or maybe a, a combination of factors, but Cedar Crest just grew and grew and overtook so much else. I mean,
1: yeah, there, well, and he was actively trying to get people to move there probably. Whereas maybe well, San Antonio, wasn't. right,
3: right. Yeah. He really promoted it. And, and, um, and you know, Cedar Crest was like a really cool little mountain village. When he had that resort, the writer, Conrad Richter lived there who had won all kinds of awards, wrote the light in the forest and the sea of grass and had mm-hmm. things adapted, um, in, into movies. And, uh, he lived down in albuquerque at one point his wife had tuberculosis and mm-hmm. and that's why they were out here
1: now were there uh, like kind of ever any like sort of tensions between uh, the village of uh, cedar crest and the village of san antonio and these other kind of older communities
3: i'm sure there must have been i mean i'm sure there were because it, like as soon as they were anglo settlements up there they brought morons up there they brought <laughs> they brought people up there that just did not respect the place and like right. you know so there there must have been some of that and I mean, and Webb was from Mississippi. I don't know mm-hmm. that all his attitudes were entirely yeah, wholesome. But right. but one of his friends in San Antonio was a curandera. And I mean, I know that... Like, What's a curandera? Oh, a, a healer. Um, okay. You know, like a medicine woman, okay. midwife, et cetera. You know, like these little towns didn't have, you know, necessarily like doctors and right. paid professionals and all that stuff living mm-hmm. with them. And so people created their own... Uh, communal organizations like the Penitentes or, or um, yeah. their, uh, you know, it, it, and the Curanderas were often the, you know, the most valuable, uh, esteemed members of a community. You know, like, oh, you're the person that can heal us and, <laughs> and deliver babies. And, sure. You know, everyone had, every one of them had, uh, like, shelves of cures of remedies, remedios. Oh, maybe uh, we could
1: talk real quick about the yeah. Penitentes. I mean, I know we we just uh, did a yeah, movie about. Yeah, uh, we just, yeah, we did that event. We at the showed a, a terrible, yeah. very racist movie about yeah. <laughs> about a murder that took place up in Cedar Crest right. in the
3: 1930s. And and that guy who was murdered stayed with Carl Webb at one exactly, point. Exactly. That's yeah, what I was He stayed in the Cedar Crest. Yeah, resort, yeah. yeah. So
1: do you want to just give a real quick. Uh, like, he was a project? journalist
3: who was writing about the Penitentes, this flagellant sect that whips themselves and Mm -hmm. hangs themselves on crosses and so on. And we're also very important for communal, uh, government, et cetera. Um, and, uh, he was writing about them for today magazine, which later, Merged with uh, News Week and became Newsweek, mm-hmm. and um, and he was murdered up there. And his murder was pinned on the Penitentes initially, right? And you know maybe they had something to do with it. Maybe the the fifteen year old kid that actually killed him was a Penitente. Um, yeah. You know his dad was, his grandfather was. It's he had expressed you know ambitions right. within that organization mm-hmm. and so on. But um, but Carl Taylor had had stayed with at right. the Cedar Crest Resort. So would another writer named Kyle Crichton, who was really well known back in the day that is now like, who is Just he? completely gone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have one of his books and it's pretty interesting. It's all about Albuquerque and like, you yeah, know, that, uh, you know, that time. But, but, um, I don't know if there's a Michael Crichton connection. I was wondering that yeah, too. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I've, I've, I've wondered about that. So but
1: what brought your family there?
3: Um, my, uh, let's see, we were living in Colorado, um, and we were we uh, we were living in this like little summer cabin that my parents mm-hmm. had built in the '80s, and um, we had just gotten back from living overseas. My parents were like religious missionaries in mm-hmm. Austria. A lot of weird stuff I don't want to get into. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but 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 uh, when we came back, the only place we had to go was because my parents had sold their business and like mm-hmm. their house in Arizona, and, and uh, we stayed at this little cabin in Colorado for a while, and. Um, and then my my dad wanted to get back into selling playground equipment, which had been his job before that, and uh, and I guess some opportunity some an opportunity came up in New Mexico, and so we Cedar Crest ended up being it. I don't I don't know the specifics actually of how What's, we ended up there. But what was it like being a teenager yeah. there? It was so cool. But growing up in Cedar Crest was fantastic because I love the mountains and the fresh air and the forest and all like just all of that stuff. I mean. Like what was really interesting about Cedar Crest is there's North 14 runs all the way up through it. It's this little highway that goes all the way up to Santa Fe, former ox road. Um, uh, you know, going way back. Um, and, uh, and North 14 has these huge corrugated tunnels underneath it. So k- being teenagers there was just amazing because you would walk beneath, through these tunnels. So to, they're like to, drainage tunnels. Yeah. yeah. For, uh, like arroyos. Yeah. And, 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 and there's a net, networks of arroyos, these ditches yeah. all over the mountains up there. And like mountain boarding was a big thing. People would have these skateboards with huge wheels and huge shocks and mm-hmm. just mountain board the arroyos all the time. I, I never got into that, but we would run into people doing it all the time. And, and we would just wander and bike everywhere and go through these tunnels under the roads. And like, and it was just really fun. There was a great little video store and it's it, like a, yeah.
1: it's a, it's much more like kind of Alpine than Albuquerque. It, it's, it's a cooler weather. You feel it.
3: Yeah. It just feels cooler and snows nice a lot nice up there. Yeah. In the winter. Yeah. There's a ski resort up in Sandia park, not much mm-hmm. farther up. And, um, and, uh, it's it's just a really neat little town. And it's a I mean population like a thousand. Even now it's not much more than that. Yeah, there. I
1: think nine hundred is the official, uh, the official number. Um but of but of course like what even are the
3: boundaries of Cedar Crest? Like it's this yeah. huge sprawling area. I mean I think parts of Te are considered Cedar Crest, Canyon Cedo, San Antonio, um uh all the way over to San Antonito, up mm-hmm. you know, beyond that. There's you know, all these little little towns that are have just been folded into it. Including a lot of towns that are just gone completely now, and there yeah. there were there were other resorts around there now too that they didn't become towns. There was Casa Loma. that's mm-hmm. just a street name now. There was, um, oh Cedar Crest had a tie factory. There was a little, oh uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, neckties, yeah neckties, yeah. We've talked about that when, when on the I show a little yeah. Bit. Yeah, when I got married, I was wearing one of the Apache handloom ties <laughs> from Maro's dad, my wife's dad. Um, yeah, Ty performed the ceremony. Yes, How I cool did. How that?
1: Uh, While well, he wore the tie. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh,
3: but... Um, but you know, it, it it grew and grew. The second owner of Cedar Crest was a guy named Neil Clark, who's written a lot about New Mexico and the West, and really interesting guy. When I,
1: you say owner of Cedar Crest, like what oh, do you mean? of
3: of the of the chain, the chain of cabins. Oh, okay. and, and that original building that now right. it's all covered in green stucco. It used to be this beautiful old log building, and mm, now it's it's kind too of too bad less pretty, but but it's still cool. Yeah. And the and the other cabins are still the same. I I had the wonderful thrill of getting to show Carl Webb's daughter around the Cedar Crest Resort with the owners of the resort. And it was just so neat. She was so moved by seeing all these little touches of her dad's handiwork. The the old fox cages are still around there. And there's so much evidence of it. There's trash piles and trash yards, but the owners don't want to dig them up in case tuberculosis <laughs> can last. <or> something. Huh. <laughs> you know, they're like, we need to do some research about that first before we excavate. Yeah, those. no, that, that's probably wise, and, and uh, make sure there's not some like you know bacilli waiting and right and right. uh, waiting there. But but um, it's really but it's really grown and it, and it probably boomed when when uh, Albuquerque really took off as a defense town in yeah. in the 40s and 50s. And these bedroom communities really, right. really happened. I mean, but you know, Cedar Crest is a, a really neat little community. And But yeah, it probably boomed in the forties and fifties mm-hmm. as a result of that defense housing yeah, down, yeah. It, down in town. That just really inflated the population all around. Uh,
1: now is Tinkertown in Cedar Crest? Or no, is that that's Sandia up in Park. Sandia Park. Okay. So yeah. what is Sandia Park? Is Sandia. it also, yeah. What's the, what's it still?
3: So, uh, San, Sandia Park is a little farther up. Um, there was somebody selling lots down in town, mm-hmm. and they came up with the brilliant idea of if you buy one of these lots, we'll also give you a lot for Sandia Park uh, oh, okay. and, uh, up in the mountains. And, and it's like
1: and, a, your, your vacation right. lot, yeah. yeah.
3: And and Tinkertown, um, for your listeners that don't know, is is this amazing work of love from Ross Ward, this incredible artist, ex-Carney, yeah. who <laughs> uh, carved all these wooden figures and built walls out of bottles and like did all this amazing work on this place. Fantastic book by his daughter called "Leaving Tinkertown." I
1: have it on my shelf. I have an audio.
3: It's so good. She was a writer for TV, and and she has such a good grasp of narrative. Mm -hmm. And it's just obvious that book could be a movie so easily, because there's so much story there—the the the building of Tinkertown—and then also later, her dad, you know, had uh, uh, I think Alzheimer's, and and that was you know, you know. It, him making his final work of art, and mm-hmm. like you know, them the family coping with that. It's just a really moving, beautiful story.
1: And just to uh, kind of give the listeners an idea of what this looks like, it is it's a it's a s- complex of of houses right. and buildings. Yeah, there's a wall made of old bottles. There's yeah. a bunch of old. I'd say junk from like some of the mines and things out there just collected from ghost towns in the area. A
3: sailboat that his brother-in-law sailed around the world.
1: And then inside all these hand-carved figures just scene after Mm -hmm. scene after scene. And then like some of them move, some of them play little musical instruments when you feed a quarter in. Um, And it's just, it's a huge number of them. And then it's all kind of juxtaposed with just very odd things like the, uh, the boots of Walbert. Robert Waldrop, <laughs> the uh, the largest man who ever lived, right? Like yeah. somehow, so, for some they're reason, they're really cool to see. Yeah. They're very large.
3: Well, it's because he's an ex-carney and he knew <laughs> yeah. all these circus people. I mean, he he traveled around forever painting backdrops and things like mm-hmm. that for quote unquote freak shows and yeah. and uh, doing all doing all of that stuff. And you can still see Ross Ward signs all over Cedar Crest and all mm-hmm. those mountain towns and Albuquerque. In, In fact, uh,
1: cliffs you can see them. At oh cliffs. yeah, cliffs absolutely. The and the once amusement you, park here. Once there. you
3: know those fonts and his yeah. distinct. Style and the way it's it's they're impossible to miss. I mean, they were uh, renovating storefronts on San Mateo not too long ago and found an original yeah. Ross Ward mural on on the front of one right. of them. I wonder what happened to that because it's not there now. They uh, they took it down. Huh. They
1: covered it up or something something awful. I hope but it wasn't ruined. But yeah, I think it was. There,
3: Cedar Crest also contains the ruins of Frontierland, which was an, uh, yeah. a little uh, amusement park that was built up there. Maggie uh, Grimason wrote a really good article about that for East Mountain Living recently where mm. she did a deep dive in research on uh, uh, into that. And um, But those ruins are still up there and there's Ross Ward signs nestled throughout that back where uh. Marco Polo's Pizza was um, back in the day. And, um, you know, the, the, anyway, it's a cool little town. But growing up there was amazing because not only did you have all those wonderful mountain things, but mm. you could... Go down to Albuquerque and like the Northeast yeah. Heights were our Albuquerque, or like you could go to Four Hills and you know in the Southeast, you know, yeah. go go to uh, the movie theaters and restaurants and. Concerts and whatever kind of else. The best of both worlds. It was a fantastic. Like we were, we were kind of derided at school in town a little bit because we were mountain kids. That's what they always called. Yeah. Everyone up there. We got extra snow days and things like that. But <laughs> I, I loved it up there. I thought it was really wonderful, and I, I probably took it for granted a little bit. But sir. Sure. But um. In the way know, that you do. Yeah, exactly. But now looking back, I'm like, ah, oh, that was really. I, I just remembered a weird story okay. I could tell. Like, oh, okay, yeah, let's hear it. Do that. All right. Okay. So this one is less historical. um and more just a really weird thing that happened to me when i was living up there <laughs> but uh so when uh, i lived on the street uh de canyon Cito, that is like this long steep dirt road um with the veterinarian at the bottom of it and um uh, the kid at the bottom of the road was like super into explosives. Like post Columbine, this kid would be on every watch list ever. He had literally an explosives lab in his house. But it was like kind of like accepted back then, just like oh yeah, that's the kid that's really into explosives <laughs> and like made like a...
2: fireworks and stuff. Like or are you like talking gunpowder
3: about... wow. and like everything. And he would freak me out sometimes. He's like, look at this man. I got this book from the Vietnam era that shows how you can like make a candy bar with a spring-loaded explosive in it and stuff like. That. He's just a super kind of scary kid and he would like he would like his hobby was dressing up all in black and like spying on people and like just was just like a really weird dude i mean like yeah like yeah exactly but he was just like i think it was a voyeur or something He'd be like i saw you and your friends hanging out i'm like what okay thanks that's terrifying um but anyway uh one time we were we were biking together and we stopped at this gas station in the Cedar Crest and the payphone started ringing and like, when we were teenagers, we would always answer ringing payphones because, of like, it's just, it's just a mess with somebody. and uh, But that we answered the phone, and this guy goes, I want the boys on the bikes. And I'm like, what? And I hung up right away, just, like, <laughs> creepy. And he calls back, give me the boys on the bikes. And and so we were, like, taking turns answering the, the phone. And uh, our bus driver, who happened to work at that, gas station came out and she was like don't you know who that is it's the guy who lives up on the hill there he watches this payphone and anytime young boys come by he tries to get them to come up to his place and we were like "Ah, oh, let's get out of here so we hopped on our bikes and we started biking away and like almost immediately this like old beat-up looking cadillac comes slowly cruising alongside us and uh so we took off and we just started biking off into the trees <laughs> just to get away from the road and the sky and um we found this totally creepy house that had like a car that was had just had bones glued all over and we're like what is going what? on with our day <laughs> and we like hid in the yard of this house for like two hours until it had started to get dark and then we biked
1: home <laughs> you hid in the house <laughs> we <don't>, you hid <laughs> in the yard with in the bone car you're just like whatever that anyways, it was just that cedar crest there, that, um, yeah, well, I think that yeah. kind of gives a good, a good you know, uh, <laughs> uh, example of, of the oddities of Cedar Crest. Uh, you, you know,
3: mountain towns in general, I think they attract people that yeah. maybe don't want to be in the center of things. And,
1: What's like a must-do yeah. in Cedar Crest? Oh, we talked um, about Tinkertown, so... You know,
3: the, the restaurants and businesses change so much over time so that yeah. it's, hard, it's hard to like r- recommend a, a place. Yeah. Um,
2: but you said Burger Boy. Oh,
3: Burger Boy is great. that's, that's San, San Antonio. Anto- that's San but Antonio, San Antonio still, technically, but let's... they probably have a Cedar Crest mailing yeah. address. Yeah, Burger Boy is great. You can't go wrong with Burger Boy. Um when
1: in Wynn in Cedar Crest and, or San Antonio.
3: Yeah, and I think they've got some Ross Ward painting. They have a Ross Ward mural on the side. Mm-hmm. Speaking of him, um uh Green Chili Bill on the side. And yeah. uh, um what else? Uh that's a good that's a good place. Um I can't think of anything else. You oh, could. go on a hike. Go go on a Go hike, walk yeah. around. There's a bird sanctuary um that's really neat. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, there was a there was an old gypsum mine. There's a church there now, and you can still see the cliff cliffs. Yeah. And there's a bird sanctuary back behind there that's really neat. Um, you know, there's there's a it's it's a it's a cool little town. Um, but it, again, it's like you know a, what they call a bedroom community. You know, right. here's something that makes me proud of Cedar Crest. So for the longest time, we had this little independent video store up there, East yeah. Mountain Video. Yeah, and like it is responsible for me like being weird and warped in the way that I am because they had a great <laughs> independent. Section and a great foreign uh movies section, and like yeah and um it's weird like my brother got obsessed with Eraser head and oh, you know okay. th- things like that, but um blockbuster video at the time, which was a force, like a huge yeah. cultural force, they noticed the success of this place, and they came and they opened up their own uh a uh, blockbuster video right across from East Mountain. Living and the community boycotted it and Good. they closed down after like six months.
1: Is that video store still in operation? <laughs> they closed about two years ago. Yeah, like yeah. I knew they'd lasted yeah. a lot longer than any but other video yeah. store.
3: I mean, I think they outlasted pretty much every video store in Albuquerque. Yeah, you know? I can't think of any of So, it. Well, very yeah. cool. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Well, to talk thank about you.
1: That was, yeah, that was great. No, nice no, little no. capsule version of uh, <laughs> Cedar Crest. And I, I think there is nobody on earth. Oh, uh, better for better suited oh, for giving a, a quick rundown of what oh, of what that's
2: like. Shall we let Mike draw the next card? Oh,
3: yeah, cool. let's do that. That's oh, a neat. great idea. Fun. You're like, this isn't a state.
1: <laughs> well, we don't a, know how to do this. We Mike. did. We do have territories in there. It's a Joker card. We did a territory a couple. Oh, really? Times ago, we did Guam, which oh, um, awesome. Honestly, I think it turned out to be one of our better episodes. Like oh. we had a lot of interesting stuff to talk about. I
3: need I need to get serious with the back episodes. Hear them all. That's really cool.
1: Okay, so courtney has got the stack of states that we haven't done. All right. Um, I'm about to draw a she's card. She's fanning them out. Now, as as yeah. states and territories. Always have to remember territories. Okay. All
3: right. I'm just can't grab. draw New Mexico again. I'll close my eyes and take one.
1: What do we got? Massachusetts, Massachusetts.
3: Oh, Tell
2: us some facts about Massachusetts.
3: Well, uh, it was named after a tribe um, that you know <laughs> didn't fare too well once people started showing yeah. up. Uh, oh, oh, reader from the card. Okay, I see. Okay, <laughs> not just uh, everything you know about Massachusetts. <laughs> I mean, I have done some research. <laughs>
1: Uh, all right, well, well, it's true uh, yeah,
3: and um let's see my great times ten grandfather moved there in sixteen thirty five
1: people who live there are called mass holes, I think,
3: yes, Hi. well, not all of them, just the ones that are jerks, oh, okay, yeah, I used to work at a coffee shop in boston oh, and okay. uh, yeah. yeah That. um the um
1: not just everybody. I thought yeah. that it was just everybody from. The no, point. no, no. Many. I know being like a that. Democrat from uh, a Massachusetts Democrat was <laughs> like the worst insult the GOP used to a lot of oh, people really? back in the day. Um, yeah, right around the time that, of the Kennedys.
3: Yeah, Massachusetts is great. It's a it's a pretty cool state.
1: Okay, yeah. you're gonna drop it on there. Try She's to get it on Massachusetts. And, oh, you oh, hit uh, Northern something that wasn't Navy. Massachusetts. I don't oh, think. Haverhill, Haverhill, Massachusetts. Well, maybe.
3: Methuen? They're all pretty close there. I'd say
1: Haverhill. Yeah. Haverhill. Yeah, Haverhill. Haverhill. And uh, that is in uh, Essex County. God, I feel like every county on the East Coast is called Essex County.
3: Do you think it's named after the whaling ship?
1: No, I think the whaling ship's probably named after the same. Okay, Okay. so we'll talk about Haverhill and Essex County next Nice.